All right, good evening. Good to see everybody tonight. I was talking to Brother Oakley before services, and it's just good to be here. You know, you could stop the service right here and everybody go home and we would have had a good night, you know, before I got up here and ruined it. So, anyway, um, well, I'm thankful for the rain, like Brother Roger said. You know, it's a blessing to get a drink out there. But I always pray that when I get up here with the opportunity that maybe we can get a drink from the Word of God. I pray that for every service to get a little refreshment, you know. I, I, what I have tonight, I don't think I'm really teaching anything new. It's, you know, there's nothing new, but you don't have to go to church every time to try to learn something. You know, I, I heard somebody say that they, you know, started going to a different church because they weren't learning anything anymore. And it was like, you're just going to keep church hopping around until you know everything, you know? I mean, to me, that's just the wrong motive. And so we come to church to get a blessing, to get an encouragement. And I do think you need to learn as well. So those are good. You just need to find a happier balance with those things. Tonight, uh, I don't really have a text that we're going to read and study from. We're going to do a little what I call Bible bouncing, where we just kind of go to a few different passages tonight. So I hope you have your Bibles. And and uh, tonight I want to talk to you about uh, the promises of God. And, uh, you know, amidst the difficult times that we live in as a nation and things like that, I hope that as we focus on some of these promises that we have, that uh, maybe we'll find some encouragement and add a little bit of fuel to our tank, okay? The promises of God, you know, I, the Lord's put this on my mind several weeks ago, um, but it never really developed until this last week or two weeks. There's a couple of different ways you can approach the study of the promises of God because there's so many promises of God, and there's a few different types of promises of God. And so the two different types is, is simply conditional and unconditional. There's a few promises where uh, it doesn't matter what you and I think, what other people out in the world think. God said he's going to do something, and he's going to do it. And then there are other promises that are more conditional, And that's what we're going to focus on tonight is some of the conditional promises. But just to give you an example of an unconditional promise, for one thing, God said he wouldn't destroy the earth again with water. And and he's going to keep his word. We have the rainbow out there as that symbol. Another promise that was unconditional is that he was going to send forth his son. And we see that weaved throughout the Old Testament in the books of the Uh, from the prophets, and then probably the greatest unconditional promise is that he is coming for his church. And it doesn't matter what we think. And the Bible says, no man knoweth the time. And you've got people out there that they try to figure it out. They, you know, I don't care if you write a 10-page or a 20-page document on why you think this is when he's going to come back. I don't even try. I've never studied that, Brother Jacob. And the reason why is because the Bible says no man knoweth, so what's the point of me studying it if I'm not ever going to figure it out? It's just the way I look at it. Uh, I'm just focused on being ready. 
And that should be the focus. Too many people trying to figure it out rather than making sure they're ready for it. And so the coming of the Lord is, is an unconditional uh, promise. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. It's in his word, okay? The conditional promises, there's, there's a, and with the promises of God, there's, of course, negativity that typically comes. And uh, that, that comes simply from the devil trying to get you and I, Brother Lauren, to doubt these promises. Well, he said he was going to come again. You say that was 2,000 years ago. What's taking so long? You know, there's a negativity from the world perspective on some of the promises of God like that. But, uh, you know, if you, if you don't read the Bible, if you don't believe the Bible, then, you know, you're not going to see that, you're, you're not going to understand that these promises are indeed going to come to pass. And uh, so the first promise that we want to look at, we'll go to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5, um, actually I'm going to give you a change up, let's not do Romans 5, I'll, I'll read that for you, let's go to Colossians 3, let's go to Colossians chapter 3 instead, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. The first, the first promise that I want to talk about here is, is kind of really the beginning of our Christian walk and how we are justified by, through our faith, okay? And how God said, if you place your faith in me, if you trust in me, then I will indeed justify you, okay? Now, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 here. I'll tell you the verse in a minute because I don't want you to read it ahead of me just yet and say, where are you getting this out of that? But uh, over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul says that we are then justified by faith, okay? In a roundabout way, I'm going to go ahead and claim that as a promise. And I've already claimed that promise because I have placed my faith in God through the Lord Jesus Christ and I've accepted his payment on the cross for my sins. I believe I have been justified according to his word. And that is a promise. I am now justified. I've entered in to the Christian realm. It's not according to my works. He said it would be by my faith. Okay? And now because of that, as we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, because of that, we've, we've activated, if you will, the peace of God in our heart. Where, how, why is it peace? Why, why do we all of a sudden have peace when we accept Christ as Savior? Well, I submit to you that it's, it's because um, as, a, as a lost man, as a, as a natural man, okay, we are, our spirit is dead, okay? We haven't been quickened. We haven't been made alive. And the Bible even says that the flesh is at war against the Spirit of God. It's at war and so that's why I have this un- that's why a lost person has that unrest in them. But when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ at that moment and you hear people's testimonies and you've experienced it yourselves, ourselves, that, hey, I just feel like everything's lighter. 
That's because that peace has moved in and that flesh is not in control, shouldn't be in control of my body, my soul. Now the Holy Spirit is in me and should have that control. Now I'm not at war with God anymore. Now I have peace. And so that's how we have peace. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, this is the benefit of this promise. Uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Well, it's not going to rule in your heart if it's not, if it's not in your heart by any degree. And the promise is that once we place our faith, we become justified, and then as a result of that, we receive the peace of God. When a saved man loses fellowship with God, you remember that check valve we talked about, you know, um, they've taken the check valve out, if you will, and they just put a really no valve in there, and basically the the flow is going to go from the high pressure to the low pressure. Wherever you're letting the most influence in, that's the direction it's going to come from. So when a man loses his fellowship with God, he's now focused more on the world. He's, he's being controlled by the world, and now he's losing that fellowship. Okay? He hasn't lost the sonship. Big difference between sonship and fellowship. Okay? And, uh, you know, I, I can decide to leave the Doss family, but that's not going to change the fact that I'm Jim and Judy's son. And when we lose that fellowship with God, um, the flesh takes over. That, that's our sin. That sin, it now controls the soul, uh, which, which is not supposed to be at war against God, but you're going to lose that peace because the Holy Spirit doesn't have full control. So don't let the devil make you doubt. Stand on the word of God. Don't make him don't don't let him make you doubt the promise of God and and I I, uh, I don't want to chase a rabbit with that thought. Um it'd be a good rabbit to chase, but that's not what I intended to cover right here. Um the promise of God number 1 is the promise of justification. Okay? And that is separate from sanctification and glorification, which is to come. We have been made justified in the sight of God, and now we need to focus on that sanctification. The second promise is going to be found over in the book of John. If you don't mind turning over there with me real quick, the book of John. John chapter 14. I don't know if I can really say I have a favorite passage in the Word of God, but if I had to write something down on paper, I think, Brother Doug, John 14 might be it. I remember when Kinsey gave me this Bible a few years ago, this was the first chapter I read out of this Bible, this particular Bible, because I love this chapter so much. John chapter 14 and verse number 16 through 18, and I will pray the Father... And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide in you with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. This is simply the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
This is the promise of the Comforter that he is sending to us in this time of our our, uh, Christian walk. The Holy Spirit is is now is now intended to dwell and reign inside of our body. You see, he says in verse sixteen, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So he's giving us the promise and he's giving us the purpose. The purpose is that he might abide with us. And I like to think of this. Um, I like to think of this as a as a house, and, and Adrian Rogers even used this example too. I think he has a message, something along the lines of when God cleans house, but when the Holy Spirit reigns, because you know you have different rooms inside your house. I don't eat supper in the bedroom. I don't sleep in the kitchen. I don't. We don't wash our clothes in the living room. Those rooms have their individual purposes, okay? Of course, when you're doing a little remodel like we are, you do have a couple of things shuffled around. But in general, you do have some purpose for each room, okay? So coming back into the spiritual realm, okay, we might have a room of our finances. I might have a room for my family. I might have a room that represents my job. Okay? Different areas of your life, however it applies to you, we have these different compartments and the Holy Spirit has come to dwell needing a key to each room. Rather than just tucking him away inside of one room, you're not letting him ruling and reigning in your heart, in your life, and that's not what his purpose is. The Holy Spirit has come that he might abide with us, and that implies taking full control. And by doing so, he bears witness of us. He bears witness of the salvation that, that is in us, that justification. He expresses himself to us. He, he is there to, to um, give us direction and leadership through the reading of the, of the Bible and then through our prayer life. He's there. He's activating the works of God in us. So, you know, now that we are being spiritually led, you cannot live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And when God gave them to us, He didn't give us just a part of them and saying, hey, when you pass, when you pass sixth grade in my spiritual school, I'll give you the next 25% of the Holy Spirit. He gave us the whole thing. He gave us the whole package. And the question is, is does the Holy, does the Holy Spirit have all of us? That's the question right there that we have to ask. How much am I letting him occupy me? And by doing these things, number one, he's going to strengthen us. We can't fight this battle by ourselves. It doesn't matter how many... Uh, Austin, it doesn't matter how many passages we can quote. It doesn't matter how good my prayer life is. It doesn't matter. I can't do this without the Holy Spirit. So he is there to strengthen us in this race. He is there to encourage us, to minister unto us, and overall lead us. So the condition there, how is this a conditional promise of 
of sending the Holy Spirit? Well, there's an unconditional part of that first, okay, and that is that He's going to send that Holy Spirit when I, when I become a Christian, okay, when I get born again. That's a, a part that's unconditional. The conditional part is whether or not He's abiding with me. Am I letting Him abide with me? We have all the Holy Spirit. We just need to give Him all of us. The benefits of that is really going to benefit others as much as ourselves. Number one, we'll be able to to enjoy and experience the full joy of the Lord in us, but will also allow us to be a better blessing to other people. The third conditional promise is going to be answered prayer. We're right here in the book of John, chapter 14. Um, let's, let's look over in John, chapter uh, 15, and verse number 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So this is a, this is a conditional promise, obviously, because the first word is if. And there's two parts to this verse. Part A is, if ye abide in me, my words abide in you. Part B would be after the comma, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Unfortunately, a lot of people these days forget part A. And uh, they, they go straight to part B, and, and they said, you know, as, as I said a couple of weeks ago when we talked about our prayer out of the book of Matthew, that... You know, a lot of people are treating God as if He's Santa Claus, and if I keep if I keep praying and and you know He'll, he'll give it to me. Oh, you just need to pray about it. You need to pray. First of all, you need to make sure that you're right with God, right. and then you ought to pray about it. Right. And and by the way, I, I would say God answers prayer pretty much all the time. That might get me in trouble. Just tell me afterwards, okay? I think I, I believe that God. I don't like to be presenting opinions when I'm standing before you, but giving one opinion here, I believe God answers every prayer, because an answer can be yes, an answer can be no, and an answer could be not yet. Wait a little longer, because a lot of people seem to have this conception: Did God answer? You know, you're praying for this to happen. Uh, did God answer that prayer? Uh, no, it hasn't happened yet. Well, no, maybe he did answer your prayer. Are you listening? Right. Listening to him, that is. The Bible makes it clear here that I need to first abide in him, meaning when, I, when, I, when, when it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, okay, what, what are his words? Well, I would submit to you that, number one, it's the will of God. It's the word of God. It's the will of God. It's the ways of God all right here. So, am I abiding in his will? That's the number one question. Where am I at? If I do that spiritual evaluation, where am I at? Because if I want to listen to the Holy Spirit, to, to the Holy Spirit on praying about a matter... I want to first make sure that I'm ready to hear what he has to say. Because, you know, how many times does, you know, even Andrew's picking this up now, you know, maybe he, um, 
uh, he, he's going up to that outlet in the wall, you know, with his finger, and we're like, no, Andrew, no. And, uh, you know, he, he gets upset, you know, because he's being told no. And uh, maybe he tries it again the next day. There could be a little memory issue there. But uh, anyway, the, the idea is, is he wants to keep pushing that limits, and maybe eventually I'll say yes. But no, the answer is not yes. Okay? <laughs> not on that. <laughs> uh, the answer is no, but he, he's a baby. And he hasn't acknowledged that that's no now, and it's going to be no, Lord willing. He'll make this decision 60 years down the road plus, okay, if the Lord tarries. So being willing to accept no as an answer or even not yet, okay? After all, why does God have to say yes? Sounds to me like it's all about us if, if we just want him to say yes. And by the way, thank God he doesn't say, I'm not sure about that. He doesn't say, I don't know. Let me get back with you. No, he knows. He knows. He's willing to listen to our prayers. And I believe he will answer the prayers according to our desires if we're abiding in his will, if I'm praying in the will of God. Remember, that was one of the first things back in Matthew uh, chapter 6 when we looked at that, when the Lord said, Thy will be done on earth. And that was one of the opening phrases to that prayer. None of that other stuff matters there if I don't pray for that will first. And that's what I'm wanting in my life. All right. I think this is going very well. Promise number four. How about the promise to care for our needs? I don't know why I, I, I think of this when I think of the Lord caring for our needs. But I think about maybe if I'm, like, like when I was growing up and I was clearing these trails with a machete through the woods so we could ride horses in there, you know, there's several areas in that bottom land where the briars were just extremely thick, Brother Lauren. They were thick, and, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to chop some of them with a machete without getting a thorn wrapped up on your arm and just, you know, taking some skin off there. I think of a lot of little cuts on me. And so I think of this spiritually, how living in this life, I get dinged here and there. Or maybe I need something, like I need, I need to eat, I need to drink, I have needs physically, I have needs spiritually. Now, there's two different needs here that God can meet. Obviously, He can take care of our spiritual needs. That's what He's mostly interested in taking care of. But I do also believe He can take care of physical needs as well. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read a little more familiar passage for you over in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, in verse 6, you know, we, we all know the passage here. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. And the reason why is because he cares for you. Just like a parent does their child, he cares for our needs. Matthew chapter 7, 
and verse number 7. Ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that receiveth, uh, he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knoweth, to him that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask? And rather than dissecting that passage down and going a little more into the context, just drawing an overall conclusion from that, he is perfectly capable, willing, and ready to take care of our needs. The, the, the main theme, and honestly, the a common theme with all of these conditional promises is, is uh, he's waiting on us again. He knows what you and I need, and he knows what we're going through. Um, and because he knows what we're going through, he knows what we need. And going back to prayer a little bit, if you haven't, if you haven't prayed about something you need, number one, you ought to pray about it. Um, you ought to make an effort to, if you will, activate the hand of God in your life. And uh, this is slightly different, but Brother Kenneth Elsie once said up here that, you know, you need to pray like it all depends on God, but you need to work like it all depends on you. And so there is some work to this, and we need to pray about it. And if you have prayed about a need, number one, make sure that we're in the will of God. Number two, make sure we're listening well without a biased ear. And that's that ear that just wants to hear yes, yes, yes. And I'll keep trying, trying, trying until he says yes. Without a biased ear, then having patience. And then waiting for that direction, listening for that direction. And by the way, just because God says no doesn't mean he's not going to give you direction. You pull up to a road on the feeder road out here on 59, and there should be a black and white sign right in front of you that says one way, with an arrow below it pointing that way, right? So the message is one way. The direction giving is that arrow pointing this way. So with that, with that answer from God, be it no or not yet, I believe he's willing to give us some direction. And again, just keeping a listening ear because he knows what his child needs. He knows what we need. He's able to give it. All of these conditional promises, you know, they show us several things about the traits of God. They show, number one, his love for us. Number two, his faithfulness. I would say also his mercy. Biggest of all, probably, besides love, is his patience and how he's patiently waiting for us. Brother Roger mentioned, uh, refers to it sometimes as a chess game where you make a move and God makes a move and so on and so forth, but it starts a lot of times. See, by the way, he made the first move. 
Because the Bible says, I didn't, I, I love God because He first loved me. He made that first move. Then He's waiting for the person to move back by accepting that love. And then God makes another move on, on helping Him in His new Christian walk. And now He's waiting on us to make that next move and accepting what He's given to us. I'm not going to play chess with you right here, okay? But, um, I'm not that intelligent. But He's waiting on us to accept what he's given us, that way he might give us the next thing. The last promise that I have for you tonight would be our giving, our, our tithing and him giving back. Go, go over real quick to the book of Proverbs, and I'm about done. book of Proverbs chapter 3, this is another familiar passage. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 9. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall be burst out with new wine. You give back to God what he's already given to you, and I believe from this passage he'll honor it by giving you more. Because the Bible says there in verse number 10 that your presses will burst out with new wine. Focus in on that word new Maybe he'll bless us with something we've never had before. Maybe he blesses us with something that, uh, or, or blesses us with having more of something. I don't know. But the Lord obviously wants us to give to him. And why does he want that? Well, number one, when, when God tells you to dip into your wallet, your checking account, Number one, it's, it's making you show forth our faith. And number two, when God's able to give back to us, I believe he takes glory in that. I bless him with that. I'm honoring his faith. And I don't mind telling you on the giving, you, we can't outgive God. I'm a little, you know, math has always been my favorite thing growing up. You know, I, I, I love math, so I'm a little embarrassed to say this, but about a month and a half back, I, I caught a little miscalculation that I had in making out my tithing checks. And so I thought, okay, how, how, when did I make this mistake? And, and I saw it in my, my spreadsheet, um, and so I figured out how much I how much I had not tithed, basically. And uh, so one Sunday, just a few weeks ago, I, I wrote out the check for the tithe that I missed. Well, I got that right. And, um, and then just this week, even, this week, I, uh, I didn't have another math error, no. This week, 
I, I, I'm talking with the, my, uh, my insurance, my house insurance, and uh, it was really confusing when we, when we bought the house uh, a couple of years back. The whole insurance setup thing, it was just, it was a little messy. And when things get really messy, I start to get nervous about those kind of things. Like, because somebody's liable to, you know, mess up, you know, why is it this way? And anyway, I come to find out this week that, yes, we were supposed to have gotten a refund sometime well over a year ago, and we never got that refund. And so I said, okay, here's my address. Yes, please. I'm not going to try to think about, you know, what this cost me at the time that we got the house. And uh, obviously, yes, somebody made an error, but I'm not focused on that. To me, it was almost as if the Lord saw this as an opportunity and said, hey, I I believe, honestly, that the Lord rewarded that correction with my uh, math, my tithing there, by giving us this insurance refund. And that is a blessing. I won't tell you how much, but it's a lot when you got the second kid on the way, okay? And it's a blessing, and God honors that giving. You can't outgive God, but He wants to see us give Him the first fruits of our substance. God wants to express His love to us, and one of the ways He does that is through these promises. Because he wants to, as we get in on these promises and do these things that he's telling us, he then allows us to grow more as a Christian. We can be developed more. We can, we can be used more. And then ultimately, we're giving God more and more glory. He's the one it all matters about. And so if you're not trying to give glory to God in your life, then step number one, it's time to get right with God. And then move forward from there. And then as he gives you a little, take it, do as he says you're to do with that, and then open yourself up for the next thing that he has for you. Brother Roger.